You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What movie are we doing? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please make yourselves comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. I am Brian Gill. And I am Richard Barden. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is a podcast where we break down and discuss all things cinema. We talk movie news, movie gossip, movie rumors, everything possible in the world of cinema. And then, for the last half of the show, we break down our movie of the week. And Brian, the movie of the week this week is... Wes Anderson's possible best movie, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Dear Suji, here's my plan. Dear Sam, my answer is yes. Dear Suji, one... Dear Sam, where? Dear Susie, walk 400 yards due north from your house to the dirt path which has not got any name on it. Turn right and follow to the end. I will meet you in the meadow. Yes, yes, possible, maybe, it might be his best movie. It might be. Uh, but we haven't seen uh, we'll have the, to one stick around to see. the one he's working on right now, which will right. probably be. Go ahead and say it's not his best movie, but we'll get to that later. Oh, we'll get to How that. How dare you? We will get How to that. How dare you? Hey, Richard, we also... I wanted to mention, we also go over movie rumblings, too, okay? Oh, okay. Let me make sure. Rumors and rumblings. So yeah, Right now I'm watching sure. a trailer for sure G.I. Joe 2, and there's something rumbling. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk our... about that for movie news. Uh, <laughs> just to kick things off, uh, G.I. Joe, uh, they've, they've, started to, they've been pushing the marketing pretty hard on that uh, lately, so what oh, do you guys Dumb people you, respond to marketing. What is? Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? It looks terrible. Uh, it looks absolutely horrible. Uh, what what have you th- heard about it, Brian? Well, I've heard that it's going to be terrible. Um, <laughs> have either of you guys seen the the first one? I have seen, I've seen the first like half. I feel like of the first one. I don't okay. feel like I've made it through the first one the, all the way. Anytime I tried to watch it, it's pretty awful. I uh, I saw it. At midnight, no less, when it came out, um, and and I haven't seen it since. But I did Saddest just rent it. Yeah, yeah, it was. But I did just rent it again because I needed to relive the awfulness uh, leading up to the sequel. And uh, I've tried, I've tried twice to watch it in the last four days, and I just can't. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. It's this so bad. This is what I don't get about you, right? <laughs> it's really admirable your dedication to your to what you like, but you. Put yourself in these situations. Like me, I walk out of Green Lantern. I just right. walk, out, I walk out of things. Yeah, I walk Brian. out of things I like half the time. Yeah. So I just I don't want to deal. It's not worth my time. But you will purposefully rent GI Joe One to prepare yourself for how much yeah. you're going to hate GI Joe. That's how much I love the listener, Richard. I'll do anything for the list. I'm the Tom Cruise of this podcast. You, you really are. are. You really are. You you subject yourself to a lot of of torture. For the sake of cinema, and I just That's want true. to thank you for that. Publicly. What does that make me in my level? What actor am I of this podcast? I feel like I'm like the Norm Macdonald of this. Po- Who yeah. doesn't prepare at That's all? That's pretty solid. Yeah, That's a good, that's a pretty good uh, analogy there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'll, Norm, yeah. Norm was good. Is good. He was. Yeah, yeah he's he, good. He tweets he a lot about sports now but and literature. That, yeah. He went on this thing a couple years you ago. You can't ever he, tell if he's being serious or if he's joking. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, they need to get him on Sports Center as an anchor. Pair him with Keith Olbermann <laughs> again, and just he had that. like a a, a um, sports show on Comedy yeah. Central for a while. Yeah, it was for like a couple episodes though. It yeah. wasn't bad either. It wasn't it was that actually... bad. Yeah, it was like Sports Center. 
So is Oberman back for sure? I know we're we're getting we'll, we'll come back to movies momentarily. Is Oberman back? On the I don't know. The last I thing know. I saw was that he wanted to, and I'm okay. like, yeah, I'm sure you do because your career sucks. But <laughs> yeah, and everyone uh, hates ESPN. Want to have you back? I, you know, he was um he was on that Honus Wagner thirty for thirty short. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and he, it said baseball historian. So yeah, I don't he know is. if he's changed, just tried to avoid yeah. being a being a news guy now. Now he's baseball historian, Keith Olderman. He, Olderman. I mean, he really is one of the leading historians. Oh, of I'm that sure sport. he is. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, yeah, he's had a weird career. I I think the MLB Network would be a perfect place for him, but he's yeah. burned so many bridges. He's yeah. a weird guy because I'm trying to think of an actor to relate him to. He's great on TV. Like yeah. even though I didn't agree with his like his political show half the time. Like he's really good and interesting on TV, and he was great on Sports Center. But he's just apparently just such a colossal d bag that yeah. no one wants to deal with him. Yeah, that's I, uh, the thing with him. He Oberman's great. Oberman yeah. is probably the best Sports Center anchor ever, and he'd yeah. be great on any network talking about pretty much anything. But he is always the smartest guy in the room, and he's always yeah. going to let you know it on a daily, <laughs> if not hourly, basis. You know, and he just he can't he can't control himself. So. Yeah. He's just, I would love to see him back on ESPN just because it's train wreck material. Because oh, you know yeah. it's not going to last a year. But yeah, um, I want to. I hope they pair him only with Lindsay Zarniak and just watch <laughs> try to explode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to uh, love uh, listening to him on Dan Patrick. It was him yeah. and Dan Patrick. Yeah, and that was I think really Dan Patrick's the only guy who can control his yeah. his ego to a degree. Yeah, yeah. That, they need to. He needs to. They need to do that again. That was yeah. good stuff. The good radio. Okay, um, back well, to film. Back to, We're back sorry. to film now. Uh, Welcome to the Keith Olbermann. I wanted to ask you, Brian, <laughs> what what's the last movie you saw? Yeah, I saw an actually a, a decent movie this weekend. I feel like I've been on a bad string lately of seeing bad movies or Dude. movies that I talk myself well, into not being terrible. Let me guess what it was. All right, go for it. Was it uh, Jack the Giant Killer or no, Slayer? I, I should say. I've not seen that yet, but we could probably do a whole show on. What t- terrible decisions the studio that put that movie into production made. Um, that movie cost two hundred. And Brian first. Singer, who I believe it or not, I believe we have oh. praised on this podcast yeah. numerous times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brian, I'm no, sorry. Did you say that movie cost two hundred million dollars? Yes, uh-huh. hundred ninety-five million dollars to make. They're saying in its total run, it's probably going to make about eighty or ninety million. Yeah. What they, they think. Can and we talk? Because I don't know anything about this. 100 to 150 in marketing. Yeah. Thing, so. Okay. Here's here's the list of, and then we we'll, we can get into what we've watched lately. But here's a list of horrible th- the decision making. Uh, there is no star, so you have nobody to hang to hang your hat on. It's Ewan McGregor, which okay, Ewan McGregor's fine, but he's not he's not a blockbuster guy. Um, Brian Singer, who has not made great movies lately. Um, that's not Steven Spielberg. That's not a director that we're all going to go out to see. It's not a franchise, so you don't have a built-in audience, and they're playing off the fairy tale thing, which really doesn't work hardly ever in film. <laughs> so obviously what we need to do is spend $195 million to put that into production and delay it from June last year until March this year. So. Oh. Congratulations, guys! Way to get twenty-eight million dollars in March. That's I, these it's, sort of things drive me crazy because it's it, you know if you're going to spend two hundred million dollars on a movie, it needs to be uh, the Avengers, you know, or something uh, like that. Yeah. If you're not going to do the Avengers, then it needs you need to go the route of the movie that I keep holding up as the example is uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes because that cost approximately seventy-five million dollars to make, and it 
made a a it made a ton of money. But even if it hadn't made a ton of money, if it just gets a normal August release and makes eighty to a hundred million dollars, it's still profitable. So I don't, I just don't understand, guys. I, we, that's um, that's the gist. We of have this the conversation topic. right now. Um, uh, what what idiot, or I should say, at the studio thought that people wanted to see a Jack and the Beanstalk movie? Yeah. <clears throat> or like, it's not a kids movie. It's not a movie for adults because it's not right. violent enough. It's right. like, uh, what? Wh- why are we? Why are we getting Hansel and Gretel? And why are we getting <laughs> um, Jack and the Beanstalk? You know, yeah. like what? What surveys are people taking saying, I really wish they would do more fairy tales from my youth, but, yeah. but to a degree where I can't take my kids to it? <laughs> right. You know what I'm I, mean, I, no think, I think it's obvious that the Beanstalk lobby. And uh, like Snow White and the Huntsman. I think maybe Snow White and the Huntsman made a lot of money. Maybe that's what spurred it. Uh, hey, Brian, did, uh, Brian or Kent, did either of you see Snow White and the Huntsman? No. Yes. It's awful. Okay, because I, I wanted to know because I got uh, – it was like on demand like the first 10 minutes for free yeah. a couple months ago. And it was bored. And I have to admit, after the first 10 minutes, I was kind of in. But I could yeah. tell that it could have gone downhill really quickly. It's uh, but It's sorry. got cool effects. It's got really cool effects. Yeah. Um, and Charlize Theron's great. Yeah, it was nominated for what? Best special effects on the Oscars, yeah. was it? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, but the rest, it's just – the best I can't make an analogy. The best thing I can say about it is hollow. It looks pretty. Um, it's it's not the worst idea ever. For yeah, a film. yeah. No. It's just it has no soul and no heart, and that and it takes it, it takes its cue from Kristen Stewart, who again just sleepwalks through another performance. I mean, it's just it's she's bad, and I think it just sets the tone for the yeah, whole. Honestly, movie. if it wasn't Kristen Stewart, I probably would have seen it. Yeah, that's yeah. what turned me so off to it. I was like, I yeah. don't know if I could handle it. Well, it's one of those movies that I left the theater and I was like, eh, you know, that wasn't terrible. It's a B minus or something. And the more I thought about it, the angrier I got. And I was like, no, no, that's a C and it's terrible. It's just, uh, it's not a good movie. So Richard, you were wise to stay away, Richard. Richard, what's the last movie you saw? The last movie I saw was, oh man, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to the movies this week. I but I feel like I watched something on cable. Oh, yeah, I know what the last movie I saw was, and I didn't watch all of it. Don't worry. Uh, what's the one with Ashton Kutcher and Amanda Peet? Uh, Amanda Peet. I can't remember yeah. what that's called. Um, Let's see. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to Google it. I'm not doing it. I'm Googling Damn. right now. I don't want to put like that love. on my browser. A lot history. like love. There it is. 2005 a lot like love. A lot like love you could have paid me, honestly, $90 million to name that movie. <laughs> Couldn't have done it. <laughs> Neither have I. So it was on like ABC a lot Family. Like so. Love. Wow. So that's the last movie I watched. Well, so how was it, Richard? How it was terrible. Was it, sir? it was terrible. I uh, my girlfriend was over at my house while like she came down here to do some work on something like a project. And so I and I was at work, and she does this occasionally, and I come home and. The so cables on basically middle schooler and you're at work. <laughs> no, she watches other stuff on channels, but then she leaves those channels on and oh, they're so channels that I don't even know. Just make it clear you're dating uh, a non preteen. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, no. She's like 15, 16. Like she's well in the high I don't know. We don't really talk, but she's like well in the high school, I would guess. So I mean she drives. So yeah. like what, sophomore? I don't know. Yeah. No, but she watches these channels that I don't know exist, and then I come home and turn my TV on and it's still on that channel, and I find myself watching 20 minutes of a lot like love because I have no self-esteem <laughs> to right. change to change the channel. Right. I just don't think Uh-oh. enough of myself. So that's that. That's pretty well, hey, I, I did see a movie no one cares. that wasn't awful. Yeah, so what, what movie was it? Should it we tell the movie that's not awful? Since I feel like we go we just, for it, make gotcha. it fast. Yeah, uh, I saw okay. the Rock's new movie Snitch, and uh, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I've Is never been beat in it. She's not. I, I, I think that would have made it better, but um, I've never been a huge fan of the Rock except for Fast Five, obviously. Yeah. But um, but this is. Honestly, the movie's not not great, but this is to me it's the best performance that uh that Dwayne the Rock Johnson has ever has ever given. So, well, yeah, I, I would ask it's you worth because seeing. Uh, you didn't see the 1999 King of the Ring because <laughs> Scorpion King maybe, guys. Come oh, on. Gosh. Yeah, uh, that or the or 2000s Royal Rumble. Right. The two of the greatest acting performances <laughs> I've ever seen. I want to ask you though, Brian, because this I've heard a lot of good things about his performance, but I noticed in the marketing of this movie, there there's not The Rock anywhere. It's Dwayne Johnson on yeah. all the posters and in all the marketing. So, um, do you think this is this role solidifies him as Dwayne Johnson exiting him from his Rock uh, persona, he, or is this just another Rock performance? No, that's the thing. It, it, it I've made a big deal in the past of I was not going to call him Dwayne Johnson until he could prove that he could act. Yeah. Um, that was my stance that I took on, on, uh, my website. Right. And this was, this was the first time I've ever seen him in a role where I felt like he was an actor playing a character. I've always felt like it was the rock as a cop or the rock as a hockey player turned tooth fairy, you know, or something like that. Uh, this was the first time that I was like, that's just a, it's an actually an actor, playing a dad trying to help his son. And uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed his performance. The script is kind of weak and it's, you know, it's not, it's not a great movie. It's not something that people need to rush out to see, but uh-huh. if you're uh, in, I mean, the, 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 even the, uh, the title kind of turned me off. Stitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like honestly, right. That's just me. I don't know. Right. I, it's probably good. I mean, I like, yeah, the it's, rock. It's, he's a very likable person, yeah. honestly. Sure. And brings back a lot of good memories from my youth watching him yep. uh, <laughs> give the people's elbow. Right. No, I, I like The Rock, actually. I think, though, I was going to say, didn't he try to become Dwayne, the, Dwayne Johnson like in 04? Yeah, but then he I did The like Tooth Fairy, and I feel like it's like... Then he went back to the being The Rock. rock. In yeah. The Tooth Fairy. So <laughs> no. he can't decide which road he wants to go down, because, I mean, Dwayne Johnson is a pretty lame name. Right. I feel like he he went with both ends of the spectrum instead of settling in the middle. Like he's yeah. got the super cool crazy name of The Rock and yeah. then he has like the I bag groceries name of Dwayne Johnson and yeah. there's no just like I'm a cool action star name. Like I feel like his name should be like I don't know Trent Rocks or something, you know. <laughs> right. He Dwayne, never yeah. he never got like the Vin Diesel name. That's right. just the appropriate amount of awesome. Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah, you just think of like, yeah, getting punched in the head when you hear that name. Just Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh, good, good times, good times, guys. Uh, we do. You, do you have any movie news, uh, Brian? You want to mention? Yeah, I got two things that I want to bring up. Two. Are they about Amanda Pete? 
<laughs> no, I thought we were going to save that for the next podcast. Sorry. The all- I thought we were going to do an all Amanda Pete podcast. Yeah, we are. Marathon. We're just going to review the whole nine yards, <laughs> like over and over was again. She in that movie, yeah. Um, <laughs> Can't, couldn't name one of her movies. I don't think. <laughs> no, uh, okay. I've got two things, two casting bits that we need to that we need to discuss. Cool. Uh, the first one came out, I think, yesterday. Mister Harrison Ford, Han Solo himself, Indiana Jones will be in Anchorman Two. Oh wow! wow. Yeah. So, what do we think about that, guys? I think um, that's that's great. I want to see him do some comedy. Has he done comedy? What's the last comedy he's done besides the last uh, Indiana Jones movie? <laughs> I don't know that he's ever done straight. <laughs> did you guys see that one coming? Comedy. That was nice. Uh, he did that one with Anne Hache. Yeah, six days, seven nights. That's I guess a. Didn't comedy. he do one with uh, what, his, the girl he married close to Flockhart? Maybe. 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 Did he do a movie with her? I don't know. Sure. I don't Did she show up on film? I've never. <laughs> Did she? I don't know. <laughs> Are you talking about Allie McBeal? Yeah. Movie? Or... I don't. Uh, I'm not like sure. I don't know together. if he's ever done straight comedy, but uh, even Six Days Seven Nights, I guess. I guess that's a comedy. So right. it's been a while. Regardless. Take that. How do you like yeah, that? Yeah. By Rich Man. Yes. Yeah, right. The only movie experts. No one rocked. Him. I didn't know the title, but I knew it was an alien. So there's yeah. another comedy. <laughs> Yeah, he did the uh, I'm uh, I'm expletive Ben Affleck video. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I, I, no, I do remember. I think I remember this news. Isn't he playing Tom Brokaw? Uh, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, he's playing a veteran reporter. So oh. I'm sure it'll be the straight man to all the, the hijinks. But uh, let's just that kind of comedy. Get ready to get owned, you guys. Morning Glory. Oh, not a comedy. <laughs> oh, was it not funny? I thought it was funny. No. Oh, okay. No. Good try, that's, though. Uh, that's great, too. That was no IMDb. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Morning yeah. Glory. Solid. Wow. Rachel McAdams, right? Yep. And uh, and Harrison. Yeah. Not. Not one. I. Not one. I, I rushed out and saw. Sorry. To, <laughs> sorry to say. Well. That's exciting news, though. I mean, uh, I've heard about. They already have a trailer out for Anchorman too. So. Uh, yeah. They haven't even started shooting yet. Apparently, so. Hopefully they get going because it's supposed to come out. I think uh, Christmas time. So yeah. Hopefully we'll, well, do, a, like... we'll do a pod. I'm sure we'll do a podcast on that. When oh it yeah. Out. Oh yeah. Probably revisit. Well, it the seems like every. Yeah, it seems like every week they add somebody. I think they added John C. Riley last week, and Kristen Wiig's going to be in it. And, nice. Um, so they're really they're amping up the cast quite a bit. Hopefully it's not going to be a disappointment because personally yeah. I think Anchorman's one of the funniest movies of of the, the last decade easily. Uh, uh, so I'm hoping the sequel's solid. Hey, yeah, Brian. You, we see, I, yeah, I just wanted to say we've seen um, Will Ferrell been rocking the Ron Burgundy stash for a while. He's been growing it out, gnarly. So looks good. Nice. Did you see him uh, nice. posing as a security security guard? No, I don't guess I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the Lakers game. Yeah. Google that. Awesome stash. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, I, I was going to ask Brian has has any stuff come out uh, in uh, in Anchorman casting about them casting Amanda Pete. <laughs> we're gonna have to title this podcast the amanda pete podcast i'm just gonna see how many times i can work it in wow. oh. um what, what else did you want to mention brian yeah one more thing uh i brought up jason clark a couple weeks ago in yep. one of our podcasts jason clark got cast as the lead in the dawn of the planet of the apes uh movie and then yesterday day before yesterday 
they also announced that one Gary Oldman would also be joining the cast. Oh, wow. Right? Greatness. Yeah, so that always greatness. Way up the charts on my anticipation meter for sure. Uh, okay. Gary Oldman's was, in, I'm in. So I was switching my headphone, Jack. Gary Oldman is doing what? Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, very cool. Awesome. In. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Sorry, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to that um, to that movie. Uh, I love the first one, and uh, I don't know if we ba- we bashed it or we liked it when we talked about it. I think a couple weeks ago, but um, yeah, I liked the I liked it. I own it. Um, I was really really impressed with um, with the CGI. I think you mentioned yeah. it earlier tonight, um, and that was a movie that I legitimately thought that they should have created a. That was the movie where you could say, okay, at the Academy Awards, they need to have a category for for motion capture performance. Uh, yeah, because that, that well, he was the star of that movie. That absolutely, ate, you know? yeah. And I, and the fact that he didn't, you know, he went unnoticed. It's it's sad. Um, and we're at the point in cinema where you need that category because I mean, such perf- such um, performances like that, you know, carry a movie. So. Um, I loved it, and I can't wait for the next one. Uh, hopefully, Circus is involved, though. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I've already. I, I believe I saw that he was he was in for sure. So I don't think they can make those movies without him, honestly. Because you're right, yeah. he 100 percent makes that movie. He he's the he's the star of the movie, and it's not even close. Uh, right, just great stuff. Yep. Uh, okay, movie news. I wanted to mention. Yep. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Um, I wanted to mention uh, Justice League. I think I sent you guys a link the other night uh, yeah. about the news uh, for Justice League, and they're saying uh, – this is just rumors, but uh, that Christopher Nolan might be somehow still involved and that uh, so is Christian Bale. So um, what do you think about that, Brian? I think that's interesting. I I think I've said before that anything related to Justice League, I will not give it any uh, credence until – Man of Steel comes out and we see what what how well that movie does and what the future looks like for the DC universe. Yeah. Um but as long as Chris Nolan's involved, I'm involved. I don't care what he's making. I'm I'm going to I'm going to see it. Uh I think it's highly more likely that in the end Nolan is involved as like a producer uh more than a director and I I at this point I really don't think I really don't expect Christian Bale to be a part of it. I think they're going to move on to to something different. I, I, mean, the I don't think he wants to, to move it. on, but I think Christian Bale will want to do it. Uh, you think so? Uh, he said um, if if um, if Christopher Nolan's involved, that he wants to be involved, and that he would be open to doing it again if he saw a script and liked it. I mean, because it's <laughs> it's Batman, you know. Right. So um, I don't know. I think Christopher Nolan being involved at all is a good thing. Um, but I yeah. sh- heard some some buzz about Man of Steel, and they've said it's awesome. Uh, so um, the early buzz is good. Uh, you can only hope. I, I'm going to make a prediction tonight. I think Man of Steel will be the movie of the summer. I think that'll make the most money. I think it'll be the dark night of the year or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it'll, people will love it. And so – and then they'll announce, yeah, Christopher Nolan. I, I, what I think is going to happen is maybe – Maybe Christian Bale will show up at the end of Man of Steel in a cameo. You think? That could be interesting. And then Justice League is on. Boom. Yeah. Uh, I think so that's may- something. So maybe DC they've been, maybe they've it. been um, 
trying to keep it a secret this whole time, and ne- just now they've been plant- they planted this story out there, you know, that yeah. Christian Bale might still want to be involved and all this. And so by the time Justice League comes out, people put two and two together, and and then that's how they announce that they're making Justice League, you know, kind of like a um, when Nick Fury shows up, you know, with the briefcase and says, yeah. we got to talk or whatever at the right. in Iron Man. So, uh yeah, exciting, exciting stuff. Uh, we'll see what DC does, but it's going to be hard to top Avengers. So, oh, Richard, yeah. Richard, any yeah. thoughts on this at all? I mean, I'm just so excited. I've, I've, I'm probably more bullish on Man of Steel than uh, than you guys are. I've been kind of in yeah. on it. I actually think I was really kind of psyched even when Zack Snyder got picked just because I didn't trust him with story part, but I figured the Nolan boys would take care of that as well as uh, David Goyer. And I thought, you know, Zack, Snyder just uh, focused on visuals. I think he was a great choice. And uh, David Goyer, kind of... writer of The Dark Knight, wasn't he? Uh, co-writer yeah, writer with yeah. Nolan. So there yeah. Go. So I was I was kind of really faithful, or I had a lot of faith in in in, in Snyder uh, as long as he was kind of working within the constraints of of Nolan. So I've been in on Watchmen. That. I I did. Uh, See, I didn't that. as much, but I think I need to go back and rewatch. Visually, it that movie is. Yeah, is there's no superhero movie like it, you know? Yeah, and I hope that he brings a little bit of that taste to Man of Steel. Uh, go no. ahead, though. No, absolutely, he has an exceptional visual visual t- taste, and we all kind of uh, we all laugh at Three Hundred now because uh, you know it's just it's kind of become a so much, cultural yeah. joke, parody joke. But that movie was really groundbreaking. I remember seeing it that was. movie and being mm-hmm. just blown away by it visually. That I mean, still just... is like the quintessential like Blu-ray movie to own, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. That and, movie is great. And so Superman is probably more than any other superhero re- relies on visuals because it can be so tacky if done incorrectly. Like right I mean it's kind of easy to make Batman cool looking. You make it dark. You know, you 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 uh you fly him around a little bit, have the cape make some cool noises and you're done. But Superman can be really tacky looking if not careful. Yeah. And uh I've been really psyched ever since I saw the first glimpse in the trailer, that first trailer with with Crow's voiceover and Coster's voiceover, I was just I'm in. So so I would be beyond excited if they did a Justice League movie. I would I uh Although I don't think but, the characters... But who, who, who are they going to do as Green Lantern, though, at this point? <laughs> That's the question. Well, I mean, can you afford Ryan Reynolds at this point? I mean, he's had a yeah. pretty big couple of years. <laughs> uh, the fans uh, love them, too. So I think so. you just basically do a Superman-Batman team-up and don't even worry They're about it. are doing like, Wonder Woman and The Flash, though. Uh, the Flash, you might be able to say. Aquaman's awful. But I don't I, think they're so, doing Aquaman. I heard it was The Flash, Wonder Woman, and uh, Green Lantern. As much as I liked Dark Knight Rises, Brian and I have talked about this. I like it more than most people do. Brian and I both. Yeah. Um, that ending is a little not unsatisfying as far as that's how Batman ends up. Uh, no spoiler alert there, yeah. Well, if you didn't sure. see Dark Knight Rises six months after, you can just go die. I mean, you're... <laughs> Yeah, down well, we because, might we might do an episode on it eventually. So yeah, and and sorry, I mean, if, if you haven't seen it yet, you don't deserve to see it, and they should put you down that like is, a. That stick. is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but please keep listening. And but please keep and thank yeah. and thank you for your subscription. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, finish the episode and then just you know, go uh, start the car in the garage or something. But anyway, or just watch the movie. That that also could be another option. <laughs> 
I'm going to stand by what I said. Uh, Or we could compromise and just, you have to go watch Green Lantern first. How about that? It's basically Um, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, I think, I think it would be really neat to see Bale kind of continue on in that story. I I don't ever really want to see that Batman end. I know that's kind of neat that he did It, it. it's rare we get to see a superhero stop being a superhero for good, and it makes it unique. But maybe just the kid in me doesn't want to ever see that Bale version of yeah. of Batman to not know that he's out there somewhere in mythical Gotham fighting crime. Right. It's like um, so if you, why if you... why say goodbye to Bale as Batman if if we don't have to? Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And if Bale wants to come back and the fans love him, I mean, why would Warner Brothers? Well, I mean, I can see why they would want to reboot it. Uh, Kind of, this is a good opportunity to, but uh, yeah, who cares? It's like Bale's. It's, safe, it's safer for them to make a lot of money if Bale's involved, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. People are going to want to see it if it's like the Dark Knight, you know, uh, meets Superman. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and maybe they could have, who knows, uh, Michael Caine and re- return to that Nolan uh, Batman world because th- that's where yeah, we all want to live. That's where we all want to live and end up someday. I- so. Get some Catwoman back on there. Uh, hopefully yeah. she'll her nipples. I would not be opposed to that. <laughs> <laughs> nice Oscar joke there. That was good. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if Anne Hathaway doesn't want to do it, you know Amanda Peet be a great cat. <laughs> yeah, Amanda Peet. I'm just gonna go ahead and say, give Richard a text. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think he's he's um, calling out what? to you tonight. Yeah. You've gotten well, more publicity on our show tonight than you have gotten in the past 20, 20 years. I feel like Amanda Pete would be lucky to date me at this point. It's I that, so. <laughs> you know, like 10 years ago, if I'm dating Amanda Pete, that's a huge win for me. But now, if Amanda Pete's dating me, it's a pretty good win for her. She's pulling 10 years younger, you know. I've got yeah. a career. Yeah, you're on the rise. So. I'm on the rise. You are on the rise. All right, anything, you guys, uh, anything else you guys want to mention for new movie news today? That's all I got. Richard? Nothing. Let's talk about Moonrise Kingdom. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. 
offers tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Shukuski, you in there? Jiminy Cricket, he flew the coop. Does it concern you that your daughter has just run away from home? That's a loaded question. Until help arrives, I'm deputizing the little guy, the skinny one, and the boy with the patch on his eye to come with me in the station wagon. All right, Richard, specifically, let's start um, chiseling away at that uh, stack of notes uh, you got. Um, okay. t- talk a little bit about Moonrise Kingdom. Well, it's a James Lipton stacked, just to create a visual, it's a James Lipton stack of blue of no cards. cards. Yeah. No, I, I, Moonrise Kingdom is a Wes Anderson movie. Next card. No. Uh, it's, uh, it's a talk Wes about, Anderson. Talk a little bit about Wes Anderson as a filmmaker for yeah. maybe uh, our listeners aren't familiar with his so films. Wes so how would you Anderson define his is a, body of work? I don't know if we have ever disclosed that we are in Texas. We're in Dallas. Uh, we're in Dallas, the Dallas area. Uh, Wes Anderson is a Texas filmmaker. Uh, he has made such films as Rushmore, uh, Bottle Rocket, The Royal Tenenbaums, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, The Darjeeling Limited, The Fantastic Mr. Fox, and the aforementioned Moonrise Kingdom. Did I miss any? I don't think. I think you got I think them that's all. it. Uh, okay. But uh, I want to mention he is from Houston. Uh, he is. So he that's is not, that's not really Texas. Right. Uh, yeah, that's true. We're, we're willing to sell Houston. We're willing to sell, yeah. Yeah, he's the one highlight of Houston. So go yeah, on. he is his writing partner. Owen Wilson uh, is from Dallas. Who's written a lot of movies with him. He's also written with some of the Coppola kids and Jason Schwartzman, who's a, I believe also a Coppola kid just doesn't have the name. Um, and also I have been, I sent out a text, Kent, and I heard that one of his writing partners is willing to come in and talk on the podcast for a couple minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, if, if, he, if he can come in. Uh, towards the end, Definitely maybe. have him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, anyway, Moonrise Kingdom, I think, is a return to form for Wes Anderson. You guys both said maybe his best movie, and I'm willing to have that conversation. Uh, I, I like the movie a lot. It was probably my top ten of the year, uh, or it was in my top ten of the year. Uh, I thought Darjeeling Limited was a colossal piece of poop, and <laughs> um, and I thought that it, Darjeeling Limited Limited is a great movie if you're interested in font and various typeface. Other than that, it has no real interest. Right. Um, but uh, in Fantastic Mr. Foss, I, I will confess, is the one movie I have not seen of his. So maybe that was his oh, return. Wow. Really? Okay. Yeah, but I, I have seen all the live action. So, but his, it is his return. I will say to live action form. Uh, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Uh, he's a little kitschy, which gets on my nerves sometimes. But at least he has a definite style. Uh, I will say that Royal Tenenbaums is in the conversation for Richard Barton's favorite movie of all time. Yeah. So okay, that's yeah. why I'm not willing to go down the uh, Moonrise Kingdom being his best movie because I have a immense fondness for world. Yeah. Uh, so 
but it's definitely a, a great movie. So so let's talk about it. I don't want to hog the conversation. You you guys probably have much more interesting things to to say, and and let's 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 pop it off. Let's, let's get it. Uh, hey, in. let's have, let's let's. Uh, um, how does this compare? So this is number two on your list, Richard, for Wes Anderson's body and it for is. his body I think of work. It's slightly ahead of Rushmore. It's close with Rushmore, but Tenenbaums would be number one. Okay, uh, Brian, where does this rank on your list? Um, I think this one's number one for me. I. I would go Moonrise Kingdom, followed by Royal Tenenbaums, followed by Bottle Rocket. Those would be my top three. I love Bottle Rocket. I so I watched it today because it's only it's I've only seen I think I'd only seen it once before today, and it had been a while. Um, it's on Netflix now, so it is, and I watched it on Netflix, and uh, I love I love the simplicity of Bottle Rocket. I think that kind of gets lost in some of his other films, and that's fine. There, I have no problem with that, obviously, um, but. I love watching Bottle Rocket because I feel like you can see you can a you can see where he's going and knowing where you know where he's been since then is is such a I don't know it's such a cool thing to see I didn't see Bottle Rocket until I'd seen probably everything through Darjeeling Limited and so getting to watch it after you know where he's turned out over the last you know five or six films is very cool to me to be able to see. To see what he's doing and know where it's going to go uh, later on in, in future films is is a cool experience in my opinion. And but I love Bottle Rocket. You're right, Royal Tenenbaums. If there's a competitor to Moonrise Kingdom, it's probably Royal Tenenbaums. Um, I haven't seen Royal Tenenbaums in a long time, so I would I guess I'll go with Moonrise. Maybe based more on just uh, recent viewing. But um, regardless, I think Moonrise is. I think I think Moonrise Kingdom is his best work. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums might be my favorite if I had to if I had to choose one, but uh, Moonrise Kingdom is is a step or two short of of total perfection in my opinion. Um, and I and I love everything that he he did in the movie. So that's that's how I'd rank them: Moonrise one, Royal Tenenbaums two, Bottle Rocket three. Okay, um, I think I would probably rank them the same. I would probably. Or the same as Richard. Maybe I'll do Tenenbaums one, Moonrise two, maybe Fantastic Mr. Fox number three. Actually, okay, yeah, I need to catch um, that. That one. If you're a fan of animation, like picture you watch um, like James and the Giant Peach or something. Uh, speaking of like um, Roll Doll esque like era stories, mm-hmm. um, and someone told you, hey, they're gonna, it's gonna be Jason Schwartzman and Bill Murray. And George Clooney doing the voices, and Wes Anderson's yep. going to direct it, and it's all going to be stop motion. It, it's great. Uh, it's his style. It's exact. It's his exact style. We'll talk a little bit more about that um, during Moonrise King. Talking about Moonrise Kingdom, but um, I feel like he really in Moonrise Kingdom kind of took what he had done in all his previous movies and um, added what he did in Fantastic Mr. Fox and put him in a blender. And there you go. You got Moonrise Kingdom. You know that. I agree. The, the kids, yeah. the kids movie aspect of Fantastic Mr. Fox and um, the um, you know the Wes Andersonness of his other movies, the family aspect of Tin and Bombs, and and there's a lot a lot of other little hints at his um, other movies in this movie we can go over. But um, so yeah, uh, dying animals. There's always a dying. Definitely check out Fantastic Mr. <laughs> yeah. Fox. I actually watched that one today. I re- revisited Moonrise um, uh, during my while I was eating lunch, and then after that, I went back and watched a little bit of Fantastic Mr. Fox just to kind of compare them visually, and they're almost identical. Like um, 
where the the color tones in the score are almost the same. Uh, uh-huh. it, they're very very similar. It's almost like he did them at the same time, and he was editing them at the, at the same time. Um, so yeah, did did you like Fantastic Mr. Fox, Brian? Yeah, that would be probably my fourth movie on the list. I I at the time when I saw Fantastic Mr. Fox, I came out and I said, man, that that's the best Wes Anderson movie ever. Yeah. But after yeah, watching, too saw, yeah, after, after watching, watching Bombs and uh, and uh, Bottle Rocket again, I felt like okay, the, those two are better. But uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is an is an excellent movie, um, and I I think kind of playing off what you said, I feel like Fantastic Mr. Fox allowed him to uh, discover some new things about himself and about him, uh, about the way that he makes films and opened up what some people like some about new, his films. Yeah, yeah, and opened up some new tools in some ways for him i i have made the analogy before but and this is really this is just a another way of saying what you just said but um i'm a huge fan of the black keys and i have been for forever um between after they did a magic potion they went and they made they basically were the the background band for a rap album and they discovered the bass basically and they came back with that new set of tools that they learned making this, this, uh, this rap album and turned out brothers, which brothers is to me is the best album of the decade. I love this album so much. I just, I play it constantly. Um, and that to me was very similar to what happened with Anderson. I think he took just exactly like what you said. He took all the stuff that he had, he had done before fantastic Mr. Fox and then added in the, the new, the new weapons, if you will, that he got from that movie and brought together Moonrise, which is just is incredible to begin with. It's beautiful, and uh, to take it, the conversation in a slightly different direction, to me, it's the most accessible movie that he's ever done. Uh, it's the movie that I I want to point to to anybody who's not a Wes Anderson fan or hasn't really watched any of his movies. I feel like it's the movie that I can say start with this one, and then we'll we'll take you to the rest of his the rest of his work. How do you got? Do you guys feel the same way, or am I, am I way off on that? Uh, no, I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. He, uh, Kent, you want to go first? No, go for it. Uh, I think he. It's certainly his most honest and true to life movie. I mean, we're talking about a person that kind of constructs these these um, imagined worlds, right? And they they look kind of like our world, but they're a little bit off and everything sort of has it's like a you're literally in his in his mind's eye when you're watching yeah. his movies. Yeah. There's a certain design to it. And this movie does not to say doesn't have that. I mean it's on a kind of a an island that could be a lot of different islands. It certainly has design aspects that are similar with uh with Wes Anderson's past, but there there's a lot of in his previous movies of dealing with emotion without ever really dealing with it and keeping the character sort of kind of cold but at the same time, layering everything with subtext. And this this movie, Moonrise Kingdom, is is interesting in that he really kind of attacks some provocative ideas as sort of adolescent sexuality, or even almost pre adolescent sexuality that right. that he mm. addresses is is kind of out of left field. You don't ex- you if you were to name fifty directors that would maybe uh, have an interest in this or or explore this in their movies he would probably be the he would be number 50 i would pick i i I don't think of him as someone that would really dive into that but he does it he does it with a lot of elegance and uh very smoothly and it's not really gross or awkward or anything it's really honest and very kind of sweet uh and uh so that i give you that point i mean that's unlike anything he's done and, and is the most uh kind of human 
uh, aspect of of any of the movies he's made. Uh, so that being said, I I kind of like the fairy tales of the previous movies. That's the sure. only reason I, I sure. you know I, I love that how weird where Royal Tenenbaums is and yeah. uh, how scripted it is and how quippy it is. I think it's great, and it's just kind of two different things. It's comparing apples and oranges. I appreciate both in in both movies. Uh, but I will say it's definitely kind of a new direction that I think will. I think he had kind of got as Dar, Darjeeling Limited showed as brilliant as as Rushmore uh, and and Royal Tenenbaums and to a lesser extent uh, Life Aquatic are that well had run dry with Darjeeling. Yeah. Limited. So adding this sort of humanity and this kind of exploring maybe more psychological themes is a really interesting direction. I'm really interested in his next few movies because I think he's really on to something that moves around. Moves around kingdom is definitely a step in a new and I think better, better direction. Uh, but I just think he really peaked his previous style with Royal Tenenbaums. And I don't think we've, I don't know if we've seen that peak yet in this new style. I, it, sure. But it's, it's close. Well, uh, Moon kingdom is, is a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, um, going on his style, uh, I guess I can talk a little bit about um, what, how he kind of um, his other in- movies influenced uh, Moonrise. Um, just some, I was took took a few notes uh, today when I was watching this, just trying to think of stuff that he had done before that he did again for Moonrise, like the um, um, the narrator has a beanie just like in Life Aquatic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and um, the um, Francis McDormand is giving her daughter a bath, you know, just like yes. um, Gwyneth yes. Paltrow in Tenenbaums uh, uh-huh. when she's smoking in the bath and her mom comes in. They're having a conversation. The um, dog dies, just like and, in a yeah. lot of his other movies. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the um, outcast, misunderstood genius, uh, male protagonist kind of Rushmore thing yes. going on with Sam Chikusky in Moonrise. Uh, the um, yeah, the no father figure. Uh, mm-hmm. Just um, yeah, it does. If this movie really feels like a culmination of all his other movies, uh, kind of like this is a movie he's been meaning to make his his whole um, directing career, and and who knows uh, how how much of himself he put into it. Uh, but uh, I think a lot can be said for. Um, for those little, I love those those little nods to his his fan base. There, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else? You, anything you guys notice? Um, well, like like with all of his movies, one of the things that I enjoy with with uh, with Moonrise is just kind of what you said, the nods to the fans. I like when a movie gives you a little something that that not everybody's gonna get. Um, I, I enjoy that. And I feel like I, I wish I could think of a, I didn't get to watch Moonrise this week leading up. I wish I could think of a, a specific example in Moonrise, but I think all of his movies now are more recent ones. Anyways, they have these little, like just what you're talking about, about, uh, the Francis McDormand giving uh, giving the daughter a bath and these little things that, um, it's like an inside joke to uh to the fans and it's it's never something that takes away from the experience if you haven't seen another one of his movies and it's never something like, that oh. gets in the way it's like I was, it's... I was watching moonrise i was like oh he ripped this from somebody oh no yeah. he ripped this from himself <laughs> right, in another movie. Right. yeah yeah and i always like that i always i you know i like when a movie can give me a little joke that you know not everybody's gonna get um because you know just egotistically it makes me feel smarter but uh he's he's kind of the king of that in a lot of ways of being able to to throw in those little moments 
and uh, just just as a you know, hey, you're a fan, way to go. You know, <laughs> I, I always appreciate that, and I think Moonrise has a lot of those in them. So, yeah, uh, Richard, thoughts at all? Uh, no, I kind of I went on a crazy. 20 minute rant that I think said everything I need to say, but, uh, but yeah, there's definitely continuity in his movies. I mean, even when it comes to, like I said, aforementioned font, uh, choices mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, music choices to the way things are shot, that sort of, uh, sliding camera that trick that he does where he kind of pans, uh, instead of cutting between two characters, he'll pan back and forth. Uh, there's a lot of different kind of constant visual and audio themes that he keeps, yeah in his movies uh, that I think were really kind of the entire backbone of Darjeeling limited. Uh, but when used in a movie like this, that actually would have substance regardless. Like this would be a great movie, not directed by Wes Anderson, right? If this was yeah. just kind of like directed by Joe Schmo, who just shot it really basic, it'd still sure. be a really interesting, cool movie, uh, which I don't know if you could say that about, you know, even Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, it's just, I totally uh, agree. Yeah. And so, that that's another feather in its cap, and it's it's just a really great, great movie. It's a really unique movie. Just it's a it's it's characters. You know, we see movies that are about kids, and we see movies that are about teenagers and adults. We don't see a whole lot of movie about that kind of uh, a whole lot of movies anymore about that age. You know, that kind of ten to thirteen age. Yeah. Uh, that where you're just gross Perfect and awkward. Casting, and by the way. Nobody uh, likes you. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Perfect we should casting. speak to that. Great, two great young actors that I, it'd be interesting to see. And I was ta- I, I saw an interview with them at uh, the premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. And the the kid uh, had already his voice had already dropped. <laughs> Oh wow! The they got him. At so they got him at like the perfect time, perfect time, like the like right when he's hitting puberty. You know, like uh, perfect. Like, yeah, he he was perfectly cast, um, and so was the girl. So and, yeah, uh, producer Steve, maybe the best child actors I've seen in a long time. Maybe since uh, Super Eight. Super Eight kids were good too. So. Yeah. What was the girl's? Uh, what's her name in life? Actress. <laughs> what was that a sentence what is the f- female lead actress's name in real life there we go uh i don't know uh her okay. name i'll have to look it that's up that's okay not a biggie but her uh, name is kaya kara hayward kara hayward was actually uh producer steven from our radio shows pick for best actress last year Man, was, I think Jared Gilman, the kid who played Shikusky, I think he was yeah. very, very good too. Agree. I thought uh, he was. He was. This a... is one of the. I'll, I'll. I'll just put this out there. This is definitely one of the most underrated and overlooked movies of 2012. Oh yeah. Um, it came out way too early. I think if it had come out in the fall, I think it would have been up right up there with the Best Picture nominees. Um, this movie, like when people saw it, everyone was like, "Oh, of course it's incredible. Um, of course it'll be nominated." And people just. I think it's one of those things people just assumed. And yeah, people kind of well, just forgot about it, you know what I and mean? And again, it's a we we've, we've talked about that with the master. Uh part of the problem is 2012 was just a stinking great year for movies. <laughs> yeah. If if Moonrise Kingdom comes out in 2011 or 2013, I would be I would feel good about betting that it's going to be nominated for best picture and everything else. Um it's just had the misfortune in a lot of ways of coming out in a year that it was uh, better than anything I've ever really been a part of. I mean, covered is not the right word because I'm, you know, I'm a blogger. It's not like I'm on the beat somewhere. But uh, I've been keeping track of every movie I see since 2004, and this was easily the best year. 2012 was easily the best year for movies, and so um, 
Moonrise Kingdom and a few others had the misfortune of, yeah, it's great that you added to that, but at the same time, you almost wish they would have come out the year before or the year after just so they get their due. Yeah. Plus, they had that really early release date as well. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree there. I, one thing I w- else I want to say uh, before uh, uh, I throw it back to you, I, I want to um, talk about the symmetrics involved in this movie and just the kind of um, commitment that Wes Anderson had to that theme. Um, in every single frame of this movie, if you look at it, it's pretty much centered up perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if they took a ruler out and put it on the on the on the screen, um, and made sure everything was perfectly centered. Every um, shot in the movie, it's incredible. I mean, it really is. Go back and if you didn't notice it before, go back and watch it. Um, it's really incredible the links that he went to to keep that theme going. Uh, it's something I, re- I noticed in the Fantastic Mr. Fox that he really hammered home. Uh, most most filmmakers do use the rule of thirds. I don't know if y'all are familiar, if y'all are film students at all, but uh, like centering things up, most filmmakers don't center a person up when they're talking. You know, they kind of have them on, you know, the right third right. of the screen or the left third of the screen. Yeah. Uh, but Wes kind of says, screw that. And everything in this film is in the center. I mean, it's incredible. It really is. Like even th- to the point where you're looking at a scene of the, the khaki stouts talking, you look in the background and the windmill is in the exact center of the screen. You know what I mean? The windmill in yeah. the background. Uh, so it's, it's incredible. And, um, just the links that he went to, to mm-hmm. hammer that home. I can't imagine how that was a pain on every day on the set. Probably. Oh, yeah. no kids not standing in, in the exact center or, um, and things like that. And, and just to hammer it home even more, the, the scene where they're, um, they first get to moonrise kingdom, uh, the kids and they build the camp and Susie is reading a, a story to Sam and he as he's going to bed, you know, like a bedtime story or whatever. And she turns the page and says, part two. Yeah. And so if you pause it at that moment while you're watching it and you see the little arrow, it's in the exact center of the movie, <laughs> like literally in the center of the movie. So, I mean, even part one and part two are in the exact – I mean, they're perfect, two perfect tabs. So, yeah, uh, that's really almost, interesting. I love al- things like that. It's almost like Wes Anderson is OCD, and he doesn't mean to do that. Yeah. But when he's looking at it through the camera, he's like, all right, stand here. It's not perfectly centered. It doesn't look perfect to me, you know? Right. And uh, it's something I love about his his style. And yeah. So uh, well, hope, that's, he keeps that, hope he keeps that up. Yeah, it's stuff like that that – I mean that's what it makes his film so unique and so recognizable is, is little details like that. It's, it's the colors, it's the, the centering, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could probably pick out a dozen things that you don't see in almost any other movie to the, you know, to the point that if you sat me, if you blindfolded me, you didn't tell me any movie that I was going to, you know, and you sat me down and said, this is a brand new movie and I want you to tell me who the director is, you know, it, any of any three, any of the three of us is, you know, within two minutes of the, of the camera rolling, we could all say, oh, this is totally a Wes Anderson movie or somebody who's trying right. to knock off Wes Anderson, you know. Exactly. Um, it's it's just a completely different experience than you get with any other uh, get with any other filmmaker. Some of the – the only movie I could think of that has matched that Wes Anderson feel is Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that movie example. really like – people were like, why is this movie so good? It's just yeah. like because it kind of ripped that, that simple Wes Anderson way of shooting. Uh, sure things uh centering up everything and uh stuff like that so really uh really love Wes Anderson and can't wait for his next movie it's called Grand Budapest Hotel have you guys heard about it 
Just a little bit. Not not any specifics, but I knew that was the next movie. Who who's the do you remember who the lead is in that? I can't now I forgot. Uh, Ralph Fiennes, Jude Law, okay, Edward Norton, Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, Adrian Brody, Owen Wilson. Speaking of Owen Wilson, Richard. He's walking uh, in my bedroom right now. No way. Wow. <laughs> That's where I keep the guests during the green, that, and they come into my office to record. Room. But he's in the green room in my bedroom. Invite him in if he can. All right. Owen. Owen. We're good. We're rolling. Come on in. You just want to sit down over here. All right. Yeah, Cam Ryan. How are you? Owen. It's What's been a up, while, Will? man. I just sort of hanging out over here at Rancher. He's got great snacks, and I just thought I'd come over here, and I heard you were doing a podcast on my buddy Wes. Yeah, we are. We are talking about Wes. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about your next movie? Uh, maybe you can give us a, a scoop on it. Uh, are you excited about it? Yeah, it's just a sort of masterful movie. You know, It's, like, it's grand, uh, and it's about this hotel in Budapest. And, and that's uh, all you really know at this point. That's all I really know. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, just this great uh, Budapest hotel. That's like crazy grand, you know, and, uh, I'm in Sounds it. I'm awesome. sort of, I like saying lines and like I'm on camera and, uh, it's just sort of like a wild experience. So it's just going to be kind of one of those things. That sounds awesome. Uh, Brian got any questions for Owen? Yeah. Owen, Owen, how do you, uh, how do you feel about Amanda Pete? Have you ever had the opportunity to work with her or you is know, that something you'd so, like to have happen? Or you know, when you're working in this, and there's so many people that are just seem like, so, wow, I just really want, I think they're great, you know, and, uh, she's definitely one of them. I really like her energy, you know, really, really enjoyed, uh, studio 60 on the sunset strip. Just thought like, wow, you know, like, wow, Matthew Perry and her, it's like, They've got such chemistry at that, the whole nine yards, and then like just when you think it can't get any better, there's the whole ten yards just sitting there waiting for you, you know. And I pop that in every once in a while, have a glass of red wine, and and just sort of see where the night takes me. But yeah, definitely would love to work with her. Well, <laughs> well for thank you, Owen. Thanks for coming by. Uh, no, we can't keep you. You got to get back to the snacks. But uh, I'll tell got you snacks. About... I'm gonna play a little Assassin's Creed downstairs with Corey on the gonna PS. Get old South. Old South, you know, when I'm in town, that's where I go. Well, we'll see you there, sir. Appreciate uh-huh. it. Hey, mahalo, brothers. Okay. Mahalo. <laughs> Owen, hey. Owen Wilson, ladies and gentlemen. Richard. So cool. I He's got cool. pulled, man. Cool, cool guy. Really cool guy. Really cool guy. We've we've uh, we've fostered a great friendship, him and I. Yeah. Uh, say thank you for us. Well, uh, any other thoughts on Moonrise, guys? Yeah. yeah. One, one more thing. The, yeah. We kind of we we touched on it with the with the acting, uh, how good the acting is. We talked we talked about the the kids. I I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention how great. Obviously, Bill Murray's great. Obviously, Francis McDormand's great. Uh, to me, part of what really makes the movie so great is is Ed Norton and Bruce Willis. Yeah, uh, totally. Which both of them, I think, were this is the first time either of them has worked with with Anderson. If I'm not mistaken on that. Um, I feel like uh, of all the the Anderson films, I think Gene Hackman in Royal Tenenbaums is the best performance out of anybody. Um, yes, but Willis and, and Norton both, to me, were were up there in the uh, the upper the upper stratosphere of of great acting in an Anderson movie. Uh, Norton, in particular, just completely nailed that role um, and brought a little comedy, a little seriousness. Um, everything he did, I was just kind of fixated on him is every time he was on the screen 
Um, but uh, anyway, just I thought both of those were incredible performances that deserved uh, deserved a mention. It's funny, uh, Bruce. People say this is not like a Bruce Willis type role, but he plays a mm-hmm. cop. Guys, let's be honest, he plays <laughs> a cop in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I agree with you. Uh, very well done. Great acting. I love Bill Murray as always. Sure. Um, yeah, Edward Norton. It's good to see him in this role. It's it's, it's funny. It's a great opening. Uh, the way they introduce that character is very well done. Very Wes Anderson-y, funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good good stuff. Richard, any thoughts? Closing thoughts, maybe? Oh, great, great movie. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, and then and then if you haven't seen any of the other Wes Anderson movies, uh, definitely go through and watch those. They're all, of, I would say, with really the exception of Darjeeling. Maybe I hate that more than the rest of you. Uh, but really all of them have a lot of value. Uh, even, even some are greater than others, but they all have a lot of value and are almost all enjoyable to watch. So uh, definitely check all those out. Yeah. I would uh, have to agree there. So, Brian, anything else to say? No, we're we gonna we gonna do re- weekly recommends. We are about to do it right now. All uh, right. So here we go with uh, weekly recommends. Uh, Brian, just go ahead and kick it off. Sure. Um, my movie this week is a uh, is about twelve years old, something like that. Um, right. One of my ten favorite movies of all time, and I hadn't watched it in four or five years, but it's making the rounds on HBO right now. And uh, it reminded me of how great it is, so I popped it in a couple of days ago and watched it. And that would be uh, Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great nice. movie. Um, Good recommendation. Sweet. I feel like this is a movie that gets overlooked by a lot of people. I, anytime I'm talking with, with friends or family or whatever and, and uh, I bring up this movie, I don't feel like anybody's seen it. Um, it's kind of gotten lost over the, the last decade or so. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's about it's it's a sort of semi autobiographical movie uh, written and directed by Cameron Crowe about a kid in 1973, literally a kid, a 15 or 16 year old kid who goes on tour with a band, a rock band that's about to break it big, and uh, writes an expose on them for Rolling Stone. Um, like I said, it's one of my ten. Crow's true story. I mean that Cameron Crowe. Right. Yeah, it's based on his story. He did that with. Uh, uh, Sabbath, I think. Yeah. Is that right? No, it's... Uh, I'll look it up real quick. Go ahead. Continue on your talk, though. Regardless, it's uh, it's filled with incredible uh, performance. The cast is great. And it's it's one of those movies where you forget that, you know, like Jimmy Fallon shows up for yeah. 10 minutes, and he's great. Uh, Zoe this Deschanel. Time around, yeah, Zoe Deschanel is pretty much her first movie. Um, this time around, I was watching an Eric Stone Street from uh, Modern Family. Oh, really? That's a random appearance. He has like three lines, you know. Um, but beyond that, the Russell Hammond is the, the guitar player for the band that this kid's following. He's played by Billy Crudup. Is one of my one of my very favorite characters of any movie. Yeah. Um, the music's great, as are all Cameron Crowe movies. Um, it's, it's a beautiful movie. It's, if you like music at all, it's, it's, it's a, to me, it's a must see. Um, and like I said, I feel like people have kind of forgotten about it over the years. So one of uh, the uh, most memorable scenes in recent cinema, the tiny dancer. Yes. Yes. It makes you, makes you smile every time. Yes. Yes. Um, So it's, like I said, it's, it's making the rounds right now on HBO. So if you, if you've got HBO, check it out. If not, it's 100% worth renting or just just buying and and watching it's uh it's a tremendous film and uh, i would love for more people to 
to see it and and have some <laughs> have that knowledge because it's it's such a great movie. I, it's one that I only watch like every three or four years because I I never want that magic to to wear off. Um, and every time I watch it, I'm reminded of just how stupid good this movie is. So if if you don't mind, I'd like to take a second to actually discuss because I, I I think Cameron Crowe's had a really interesting career. He's he's been a journalist and a filmmaker. He's made uh, movies in really a pretty odd and astounding array of genre yeah uh he's made jerry Have mcguire you seen the um pearl jam thing? documentary he did yes yeah it's, that's what it's, that was great it's yeah, great it so good. is the one he did with leon russell and um elton john the union which is another great and mm-hmm. And so I kind of wanted the question I would ask also made uh last year's we bought a zoo which I think was not good I didn't see it yeah it wasn't <laughs> um so where do we what what do we make of him? What what what's his what's Cameron Crowe's move going forward? Right? Is he out right. of movies? It seems like he. I mean, Vanilla Sky is a pretty good movie. Yeah, I think. Vanilla Sky got panned hard when it came out, um, but it's it's one that I say people need to watch it a second time. If, yeah. if you saw it back when it you know, and I think it came out in 01 or 02. If you saw it back then, you need to give it a second chance because it's much better than you than you remember it. Um, and what's interesting oh, is that it's nothing like Almost Famous or Jerry Maguire. It's yes, really cool that yes. someone would be – I don't know. I, I, it's interesting. No, I think you're right. He doesn't have a specific uh, – he doesn't have a go-to move. You yeah. know what I mean? He, he's, he's kind of a chameleon in the way that he – in the, the, the movies that he chooses. And I think that that – for me, it works in his favor. As a huge fan of Cameron Crowe, that works in his favor – as average Joe moviegoer, that might not be the best way to go. You know what I mean? It, it's right. it's when you don't know what to expect from a guy, um, it's hard to sell that. It's hard to sell that to the audience. Uh, for me, Cameron Crow is a. If I know he's making a movie, I'm there 100. Yeah. percent I'm in his next movie. I, I saw this was a couple months ago. He just cast uh, he cast uh, Emma Stone, Stone. Yeah. In, in his next movie, and oh, I'm wow. you know that I'm I'm Bradley Cooper just, too. Can't I wait for so. that. You know that's that sounds great. Um, but he's, he's such an interesting guy. And I, I personally, I like that he's not locked into a given thing, but at the same time, I know that that can be frustrating about it. Or we bought a zoo is not good. And it seemed, that was the first movie that I've seen of his, where I felt like he really struggled with how to fit that movie to the genre that it was supposed to be in. Um, but Every other thing he's done, I at least even Elizabethtown. People hate Elizabethtown, and I I really like it a lot. Um, I've always had a, a fondness for it. Um, but uh, it, you know, everything he does is 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 interesting. So um, anyway, it was, not- it was just a shock to the system for the world to see Orlando Bloom without a sword or bow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Uh, but no, he's he's really interesting to me, and I'm I'm really captivated as to what his next move is. You know, right. he's had a lot of hits, a lot of misses. Once again, I mean, we're talking about a guy that uh, wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I mean, this guy's made some classic movies, right? Uh, but his last two scripted movies, at least, he's made some good docs, yeah. uh, have been kind of duds, yeah, uh, right. commercially at least. Well, it's already uh, down. It, I mean, it's been down for sure since Almost Famous. It's been downhill. Yeah, there, yeah. Because so. I would say even Vanilla Sky, which we both like, maybe was also a bust. So, so you know, kind of one negative. Does he does he continue just maybe making docs? He's made two really great docs. Um, I don't know. I, I, he's somebody I think I really am focused on for the next three years because this is a person with uh, enormous talent, and mm-hmm. and but we don't really know. 
I think is kind of at a really turning point where he can kind of go either way with his career. Sure. Uh, and I'll segue if you guys – is that all you guys have on Camera Crow? Yeah. Because it segues oh, well. Almost Famous. Watch Almost Famous. Go watch it now. And that segues well into my pick of the week because the director of the film I picked this week actually uh, somewhat discovered Cameron, Cameron Crow. Uh, earlier last week, I got a text from Kent, and he said, Hey, guys, Criterion Collections are 50% off. I remember I was uh, actually depositing money from one bank account to another because that's what <laughs> that's what I do all day as I just switch money from one because I'm just that yes. well. And, well, I have one account that I sort of like allocate money I want to spend on stuff, right? So do I. Yeah. Savings and a checking, yeah. Yeah. So I would – they're at two di- – mine are at two different banks. So I, uh, I, I kind of have two checking, one for like – things i need food groceries things like that and then one for that i put a small amount in every month just for to have fun with sure so i was actually at the bank taking that amount of money out when i got the text from kent and i of course doubled it immediately because i'm a really (laughs) responsible person right and went home and bought some criterion sets because they were 50 percent off and i got one that no one would care about in the mail wow yeah they're already there i've had them several days they came in saturday actually wow um and the one the one of the movies I got it was a film by James L. Brooks who once again kind of uh, played a key part in Cameron Crowe as far as being a filmmaker and yep. it is Broadcast News which is one of my favorite movies of all time but I now have the Criterion Blu-ray of Broadcast News it has William Hurt and Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks uh, wow. one of the funniest and saddest and just best uh, written movies you you will find it's uh, it's from the eighties. But could have been made really in any decade. Uh, it's an interesting look as far as the way news is made. Now we're we're talking then with a lot of editing on tapes and things like that that maybe aren't true now. But it's still interesting and still applies to even blogging and Twitter universe and things like that. But it's mostly just a character study about these these kind of this romantic triangle that forms and it's really uh it's got an interesting ending and the whole movie's just i don't know if either of you have seen it but uh, it's one of my favorite movies ever broadcast news james l brooks haven't seen it good recommend that's a good though. yeah I that's a good recommend it. i've seen uh, it maybe you I'll can watch let me borrow the uh borrow the criterion yeah, yeah. sure <laughs> go ahead brian no i was saying i've seen it but i it was like a a bad copy and it was one of you know one of those times when you rent a movie and it like skips and things like yeah. that um and it's always been one that i i want to get a review of because i didn't i obviously didn't get to see it in its best form so maybe i'll borrow that from you as well no absolutely you're both welcome to it and holly hunter is is really great in it one of, yeah. one of the best uh female performances i've ever seen a really annoying character Mm-hmm. Uh, especially at first, like just a really grating character that you really grow to love because the, it's so well acted. I mean, it's just a right. uh, really interesting uh, movie. Nice. Yeah, um, good pick. Good pick. Thanks. Uh, my weekly recommend, um, this is kind of a movie slash TV show, I guess. Um, Brian is probably familiar with uh, with it already, but um, this week I kind of binged through the s- s- uh, entire series of Firefly. Oh yeah, uh, Brian. Nerd talk, alert! T- talk to me about Firefly. I love Firefly. Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion. <laughs> Brian, uh, you like it? Talk, uh, talk to me about it. My favorite sci-fi TV show of all time, easily. Really? Uh, hands down, not even close. I did not know this. Yeah, behind I, Hercules, even. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Sorbo is a huge yeah, fan Sorbo, of the podcast, and he's pissed. Dude, speaking of Kevin Sorbo, I was at Half Price Books. Sorry, this is totally an aside. 
I was at Half Price Books the other day, and there is a Kevin Sorbo biography. Autobiography. Yeah. One across the street from my house? Uh, I can't remember if it was that one or the, the one down on 377, but regardless, that exists. There is a <laughs> Kevin purchased. Sorbo autobiography. Sorry, Kent, proceed with your pick of the, your <laughs> weekly recommend. Uh, yeah, but um, so I never really – I mean I'd watch episodes on and off, um, but mm. I never watched them all in order. So I did that, and then I watched Serenity, the movie. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting um, how you can watch a whole show and then immediately watch the movie version of that show. Yeah. Um, because it makes all the difference a budget. I mean, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Serenity is a great film if you haven't seen it. It um, Aside from Firefly, um, it's a good, great sci-fi flick. Um, but yeah, um, I, I can agree with you. It's one of the best sci-fi series ever made. I'll say that. Um, I think maybe some Star Trek series might might uh, sure. might have something to say about that. Maybe the Next Generation, in my eyes, might be yeah. my favorite. And Doctor Who is getting up there with me. But I, Firefly is great. Um, it's really sad. It, it that yeah. something good that good can't stay on the air. Um, I think it was just wrong place, wrong time uh, for it. Yeah. I think. We we could probably do at some point we could do kind of a bonus segment or something on uh on Firefly as a whole. Um yeah. but yeah, you're right. It, it was wrong place, wrong time. Um never really got a fair shake. There's a whole lot of stories regarding the production and the way that Fox utilized the episodes. Um they sh- they aired them out of order, which was a huge issue. Yeah. Um that uh, that kind of set them off on the wrong foot just to begin with. Um, for me, the thing about Firefly is the characters are so incredible. Um, all of the, all of the six or eight, uh, main characters are immediately within 10 minutes of starting the the show. You, you care about them and you are, you, you're invested in them, uh, and want to see them succeed. So, um, I kind of, yeah, I kind of got addicted to it. I kind of watched the first maybe four or five episodes. Uh-huh. And then I would go to watch something else, and I would be like, "Well, I don't want to watch anything else right. now." Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. until I knew, until I was done with it, and then I yeah. was still. And then after that, I was like disappointed there wasn't more. I was like, "Yeah, Ugh. it's kind of a kind a of like Star Wars. You just want yeah. more of those characters. You know, they're just likable characters." Yeah, it's kind of a frustrating thing to recommend. Like anytime I know, anytime I'm around somebody who's into sci-fi who hasn't seen Firefly, you know, instantly I say you've got to see Firefly. But at the same time, it's like you're kind of setting them up for failure because they, it just it goes it, nowhere. It, yeah, it, it's got 14 episodes. There are 12 episodes, something like that. And it was 12, and then they have 14. I think the last two were added on after the initial yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, and it's just starting to get so good Good. you see that it's starting to take off and then it's it's over and uh so you you gotta maybe think if serenity had come out and been a successful movie first Mm -hmm. and then they had tried the tv show you you gotta think it would lasted more than 12 episodes yeah um because yeah like i said the cast is just that good um it's it's good on in every aspect uh I don't really know anyone that's seen it that doesn't like it, so I'll yeah. say that. Yeah. It was good. Um, check it out. It's all on Netflix. Watch instantly. Serenity is too, so oh, binge nice. it I like need to I do did. that. I've had 100 people recommend that to me over the yeah. years. I mean it's and not I, like – it's not like – I mean as far as special effects in a TV show, it's it's way up there as yeah. far yeah. as like CGI. Um, um, but it's definitely – you have to be a sci-fi person to, to be into it. I mean you have to pay attention and um, – it's it's definitely a, a space. It's kind of like a space western. Yeah, uh, 
if that makes that's sense. exactly it's kind what of the is. real cowboys yeah. and aliens what no i think that's should have been. that's exactly what it is yeah it's yeah. it's a it's a kind of a han solo series you know yeah if, uh, so do i watch these... do i watch firefly first and then serenity I think you can do it either way. I did the opposite. I watched Serenity first and then and then caught up with the series and either way is is fine. The key is to watch the what was supposed to be the pilot. Watch that first before you watch what they aired as the pilot. And I can show you what I'm talking okay. about. But yeah. The, the the deal is Fox showed just a random episode as the pilot and it totally yeah, sunk the, the show before it ever started. An hour and a half. And yeah, they did, they didn't want it. Yeah, they didn't want an air an hour and a half pilot for this show that nobody knew about. Um, but the pilot's great and it introduces you to all these characters. Instead, they just played like the sixth episode from the season. It makes no sense. Um, <laughs> it's weird how so much of that has changed. I feel like so many more people are familiar with the concept of pilot now and these kind of elongated right. pilots. Even in the what eight years since that show was on, how how yeah. much yeah. Uh, television yeah. audiences have evolved? That would no one would ever do that now. No one would ever yeah. be dumb enough to do that. Yeah. Okay, we've got the Americans here, but they made a two-hour pilot. Uh, <laughs> we'll just show episode eight. That yeah. seems like a good conclusion. We could do yeah. it on back-to-back <laughs> weeks and split it up. Nah, yeah. let's just show episode eight. Is that yeah. cool? Well, welcome to Fox in the early aughts. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. All Fox kinds has of great never been a good making. network uh, uh, decision-wise no. uh, at all. Uh, and speaking of – uh, Firefly getting canceled. I, I was thinking of starting a network if I can just get the funds. And Brian and I have had a lot of conversations about networks starting. We started yeah. about 300 of them. Right. Uh, but he, Brian, here's a new one I don't think I've run by you. I just thought of this earlier. I want to start a network that only picks up shows canceled by other networks immediately after they're canceled. And I mean, <laughs> I'd probably get some duds, but I feel like my batting average would be higher. Yeah, that networks yeah. originally it, it has to be immediately after too. Yeah. yeah, like you cancel Firefly. I don't, I don't sight unseen. I'm picking it up. Yeah, and and I'm just gonna say that the people that run these networks are so stupid. I feel like I would hit more often than I missed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, you cancel the rest of development. Yes, yeah. uh, it's not canceled. I'm picking it up. Just that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Uh, and so that's my new idea for a network. Well, Brian, right. we'll, we'll flesh it out later. All okay, right. cool. Sounds good. Good. Hey, no, that's a good rec- another good recommend, uh, Richard. Strong. Uh, strong. Uh, but yeah, check out Firefly if you haven't and get into it. Uh, unfortunately, it's not coming back that we know of, but uh, get into it and write more letters into Fox to get it back. Yeah. Uh, can't hurt. Yeah, like uh, worst case scenario, I'm, I got to air five episodes of Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 3. <laughs> but, I mean, that's I'd... not Fox, though. I know, but I'm saying I would I would any at any network that cancels anything, I pick it up. Right. <laughs> and so I mean I would get bid on it. Yeah. But I mean I feel like I would hit a lot too. I yeah. next thing you know, I'm I'm seven seasons e- deep in the Firefly. I'm making a ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. If you like that idea, send us some money so we can start our own network. <laughs> Kickstarter. That's, here we go. Yeah. Any of our billionaire listeners, yeah. you know, cut us a check. Yeah. We've given you about you eight hours of entertainment now. Right. That's true. It's the least you could do, really. That's a third of a day. (laughs) Anything else you guys want to recommend for tonight? No, No, that's good. This podcast, Mad About Movies, you should say. Hey, tell a friend. uh, Let's start a program. Where can we find you, Richard? Where can we find you? Find me at, at, on Twitter at Richard Barden and uh, RichardBarden.com, my my reviews and such. Right on. Brian. I'm at uh, bgill12 on Twitter, and my movie reviews and uh, movie-related shenanigans are at thesoapboxoffice.com. 
You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Uh, you can find the podcast uh, by emailing us at madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com. If you have a complaint or whatever, we don't care. Just email us and we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll bring up your name on the podcast. Maybe if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we'll, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll bring you, your name up and probably invite you on to talk about movies. Yeah. Hey, that we just want to make friends, really. That's we're the only reason we're doing this. We're here to make friends, guys. Yeah. And, and um, that's our guerrilla force. I mean, tell a friend. I mean, it's, I hate to say it's not enough just to listen, but it's not. And we yeah. appreciate you listening. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, tell a friend, tell two friends. Say you hear people yeah. talking about movies on a subway. Tell them. I don't yeah. know anyone. We demand a lot of our listeners, so you better yeah, get ready. I do. And remember, those of you that haven't seen Dark Knight yet, kill yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, until next week, <laughs> we will see you guys at the cinema. Amanda Knight. Amanda Pete.